0: I feel like we're cooking with fire right now. Will, we got Will. And we got a special guest who I'll introduce here in a second. Will, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. Did you say cooking with fire because of my mustache? Uh, I feel like there's got to be something related there. Maybe. No, I'm off base. I'm not as good with the dad jokes as you are. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing good. Uh, how are you, Tom? How have things been? Um, I'm good. It's Denver.
0: Weather has gotten warmer, but then it snowed yesterday and that is just the mindset that I've been in expecting warm weather, but then getting to the snow work's been good. Um, life is good. Kids are good. And yeah.
1: Good. And we're joined with a fellow Canadian. I think this is the, only the second Canadian other than myself that we've had. I know.
0: Yeah. So we've got, <laughs> we've got Brianna and actually a uh, fun story, Brianna from Ryder, but we're going to call her Brie because Bree is here to talk about, enablement. And to set the tone, um, Will and I have done, well, first off, Will and I ran enablement at Vidyard, So we are very passionate about this topic and we've had an episode on this topic, much more in line with the, why you should be enabling and what to do to enable, But I think Brie is here to kind of flip the script and go a little bit deeper and talk about how you should be enabling because she's had some experience there. So Brie, welcome to Howdy Partners.
2: Hello, everyone. My name is Brie and I'm the strategic partner manager over at Rider e commerce by Whiplash. So basically, what I do over there is I'm responsible for managing our partner relationships for anyone who does not have an integration with us. Um, So I work with a lot of our fabulous post purchase partners, um, our marketing partners, and our agency partners as well. Um, And I have been with the team for about six months, but prior to that, I spent a number of years, uh, five to be exact, at Shopify. So I have a background in sales. Um, I was on the enterprise sales team over there, and then I went over and joined the enablement squad for a couple of years and rounded out my experience there with some content marketing. So um, I do have some experience sitting on both sides of the table from an enablement perspective and hopefully that makes me uh, qualified to speak about it on the podcast today.
0: You are uberly qualified. Uh, you and I you and I both have sat on on both sides so I think you know the experiences are mutual there. So um, in uh, talking about because this this podcast and bringing you on was brought up, by one specific LinkedIn post which you know was digging deep into experiences that you've had uh, most mostly on like the the bad side but how you adjusted to that. So, walk us through walk us through that experience like why was it important and then start to dig into, you know, what the outcomes were but really like let's talk about what happened. <laughs>
2: So I think it's it's actually come from um, a few different experiences that I've had, both sitting on the sales side and listening to um, enablement sessions, but then also, you know, even being an enablement um, you know professional from a partnership's perspective and and having to coach um, other partners through how to run an effective sessions with their team. So as a salesperson, I always remembered I would dread um, having to sit in on any sort of sales training because I always felt like I was just drowning in content and I just didn't want to be there. And so it was really difficult for me to absorb what was being communicated, even though it was really important because I just never felt like I was a part of the conversation. Um, And so that coupled with some recent experiences that I've had where we have invited and I'm not going to name the names of the partners but certain partners that have um, come on to do enablement sessions with our customer facing teams to talk about their solutions um, and you know I can just see the attention span um wanting from these from from our audience and these are people that we rely on to be able to drive leads for these partners in their conversations with their prospects or our customers but they are not getting the information that they need again because they don't feel like they are a part of the process. And so I think that that is what inspired me to write this post is I know what it's like to be in, sitting in that audience, but I also was seeing um, from you know a fly-on-the-wall perspective what was happening to the attention. And when the person asks at the end, oh, does anyone have any questions? No one has any questions. And you know that that's either because the session was so good that no one has any questions and it was amazing or because nobody was paying attention.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, for all the listeners, we will certainly try and link up the post so you guys can read it yourselves, but it is, it's like spot on. And so Brie, like let's, let's dig a little bit deeper there. Why was to you, why has this shed light on, what enablement should be, right? We talk about the death by slides and and for everyone listening, Breeze Post is spot on. Like you look at all the decks that you have, whether it's internal enablement, external enablement, and it's most likely going to be very content heavy. And when you think about the attention span of your listeners and you think about the proper way to enable by building engagement, building trust, building relationships, going through a slide deck cannot do that or it can do the, the adverse. So let's talk about... Let's talk about the death by slides. Like, why was that such a bad experience? How did that lead to to your actionable change?
2: Yeah, I think that um, there's something to be said for content. I think that there's a time and a place for a lot of content, right? Um, you know, there's uh, always a time and a place for PDFs and one-pagers, although I have separate thoughts on that. Um, but I don't think that a slide deck is the right medium to try to convey really really detailed information um we actually were sitting in on a uh an internal qbr um well like basically or sort of like a kickoff last week for customer success and there was a couple of people that presented in that and again i was looking at their slides and i'm like i can't even read that i can't even i'm sitting front row and i can't even read the content so i just think that um if you're going to use slides in a a presentation, they should be a jumping off point. They shouldn't be something where you're standing there or you're sitting glued to your screen reading through every point. You know, A, people can read, so you don't need to read the content for them, but it should be used as a trigger for a bigger conversation. If you're going to use content, it should be very easy to digest and it should serve as something that makes people ask more questions. So that I think was you know just again based on recent experiences where I've seen presentations from people where it's just sixty eight hundred bullet points um, or an entire an entire paragraph um, that doesn't lend itself well to a back and forth discussion um, with a group. So again, you know, just my personal preference is just not having a massive amount of of content in your in your slide presentations.
1: Tom, that makes me think like. Um... Were we doing that one when we were building an one? I know we had slides, no, but no. I, I never really felt I actually used the slides, which is probably, you know, a saving grace or a good indicator that uh, they don't actually work. But I'm trying to think like, there's probably this idea in people's minds when they're thinking about enabling their partners where it's like, well, yeah, but there's all this information that I need to, to give them. And like, and you can share the slide deck, like you're like kind of getting off scratch yeah, I can share the slide deck and
2: after though you can share that if you have this, all this important information to convey doesn't it make more sense to use the time when you're presenting to um communicate information to them but then to also draw information out and have a more in-depth discussion doesn't it make more sense to do that than to just talk at them for an hour
0: Totally. And, and so one, it's, it's crazy to think like something as simplistic as I can't read the slides because your font is too small because you have too much content is really like the, the, the cultivation of like, this is bad, but, and, and to, so to Will's point, you know, when, when Will and I were enabling at Vidyard, we, we tried to make it very tangible and, you know, I honestly, like the only time I can re- recollect having a slide deck was when we're launching partnerships, but it was very interactive. Like we were using that slide deck as kind of the mutual sex- success plan or the jumping off point for us to like jot down and understand their business. Everything else to me, at least was very conversational and custom to that business, which kind of speaks to your point is that there's a time for, there's a time for a slide deck and then there's time to just like action and talk and Get the experience out of it.
1: Um,
0: Will is that how you kind of felt? I don't think we did anything wrong at Fidyard. Will
2: I don't?
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're perfect. Tom, no worries. Um, No, I I I do feel the same. But then I also think of like even the technology enablement when we were getting people in on the technology. It's like I we probably used too many slides um, because. the thought process is I work at this tech company. I know everything about this technology and that's all I'm going to, you know, talk about and enable on. So that's what I'm going to try and convey. But in reality, they don't need to know everything about the technology. They need to know, you know, the value points and how it relates to their business, which requires them to be interactive with the process because it's their business using, you know, the technology, um, or, you know, partnering with the technology or with your company. And so, um, Brie, I'm curious, how do you get them engaged? Because uh, you know you mentioned the any questions and then nobody asks questions. Um, how do you drive that engagement? What have you done in the past? And maybe like a good example, um, you could talk about that or even just like the specific things that you've tried. How do you get people engaged?
2: Sure, so I'm gonna preface this actually. I'm gonna back up a, for, for just a minute and say that um, I think that if you are going to bring a partner in, to speak in front of your customer facing audience, that should not be the first time that that customer facing audience is hearing about that technology. Right. Um, I think that how we do it um, is that we socialize that partner's tech heavily before we bring them in to speak to um, that audience, because that way they can come in and they can have discussion points and we can, Um, ask a little bit more of the audience than having them just sit and stare mindlessly at a 45-minute presentation. Um, That is how we get that engagement up front, right? We are not... Um, presenting this net new, we are making sure that they have had exposure, whether that's um, an internal announcement or maybe that's a video that the partner will make that we can distribute. Um, maybe that's us doing a, a rapid fire session. Uh, we call them lightning talks. Um, so we've had, we hosted a bunch of lightning talks for, that were disseminated by our team t- internally um, to our customer facing teams last year. So maybe they've had exposure through a lightning talk where we just spend five, 10 minutes talking about that technology. Um, there's lots of little ways that in my my lead, partner um, Marco calls it microdosing, um, that we microdose our teams internally before we get that partner in because we don't want to waste anyone's time, right? We don't want to waste the salespeople's time. We don't want to waste the partner's time. So That's really how we're able to gamify it um, and get that extra engagement is by doing that socialization um, of the partners technology before we have them in to present.
0: Yeah. It's like reverse engineering and thinking about like, okay, the milestone or the goal of bringing this integration or this, this partnership up to our customer facing teams is to drive success, whether that's reducing churn or upselling op- upsell opportunities or just net new sales. So when you think about it that way, right? Like if you, if you just went, if you went to your team, like, Hey, I've got, you know, partner XYZ coming on to do like a presentation on our new integration, but nothing's been brought up before people like the the one, the partner's mindset is, okay, I need to, I need to help enable this entire organization on exactly what we do and what this integration is. Whereas if you do that ahead of time, you know, the materials there, you know, the resources are there and you know what the outcome is, have those conversations. Because to me, that session should almost, well, if you're doing it right, it should almost be dominated by the questions at the Q&A.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And we, you know, something that we we also do internally is we'll do a bit of a preamble, right? We'll say, Hey, Is coming in to present. Here's what they're going to be speaking about. We are going to be having an activity. um, So you're going to want to internalize and and refresh yourself on what this partner does um, and who some of our mutual customers are because we will be having, you know, sometimes we'll spiff it and we'll have prizes to give out. Other times we'll say, you know, we are going to be picking random people from the audience. So make sure you've got your game face on. So we are, you know, making sure that they're aware that this is going to be an active session and that they can't just turn their camera off, which is one of my tips is don't let people turn their cameras off. Um, <laughs> and that they're going to be participating because you're right, it should just be, We it's a valuable opportunity. Getting, you know, 20 people in a meeting is rare. At least it is rare over here. Um, so we want to be cognizant of that and we want to be using that time really, really effectively and use it as more of a QA and a and strategy session as opposed to a, Massive um, dump of information that no one will internalize.
1: I love that. And um, what I'm pulling here, there's like some primary components where one of them is expectation setting. Um, so you are, you know, telling them upfront that this is going to happen. So you know, you need your cameras on. You need to digest the information we're going to be, you know, testing or gaming on this uh, later. But then also the incentivization where it's like get them motivated. Why should they care about the information other than, yeah, this is our partner and yeah, you got to keep your camera on. It's, hey, we might be or will probably be running programs against this. And you can get paid, uh, you know, if you're on the sales team to take action on this information. Um, and then the the third part is that engagement piece where it's actively engaging them through the gamification or the questions or, um, you know, preemptive information to them. I think all of those components are really important. Am I missing anything in your mind for those like components that you're trying to make sure you plug into each session. Um, What else is there?
2: The other really important piece here too is that we want to make sure that we are hyper aware of what our audience cares about, right? Um, So if we're presenting to sales, um, something else that we will try to communicate is that, this person holds the keys to the kingdom. They have people that they are working with that you want to sell to. So you want to listen to this person because they may be able to give you inside information on your prospects, like, pay, pros- hey, like, you know, Sarah, I know that you're work- you want to go after brands X, Y, and Z. Partner X actually works with all of these brands. So we're really excited to have this session because they're gonna be able to provide you with further intel on how you can possibly break into these accounts, right? So being very um, having a really good understanding of what your audience cares about, what their KPIs are, um, and then leveraging that and jockeying your position a little bit so that you can make sure that they understand that this is how um, attending the session is going to benefit them. And it will be the same thing for customer success. If customer success cares about, for example, for us, they care about helping our customers ship more orders, this is how our partner Helps ship more orders, and ahead of the session, I want to remind all of you that Partner X has helped our mutual customer um, Sam Socks do, ship X amount of orders in the last six months. So again, we're just trying to be, um, you know, we're just trying to be very aware of of what our audience is being measured on, and how our our partner will help them um, further their progress with those goals.
1: Amazing. This is uh, so. I would say to categorize that for, for the listeners that could be like alignment of the, the in, the audience's goals and what the partner can do to achieve that. This, uh, this feels like a masterclass in enablement. Tom, we, we could have learned so much. Uh, Tom, where's your mind at right now?
0: Um, so many regrets. Um, no, I, I think there's like, there's two things that, that's, that stood out. One is setting expectations. I mean, We know the importance of that across the entirety of the business. I think with enablement, especially from like a, um, a track perspective is really important. And I'll, I'll take it a step further, which is, you know, like being transparent about, um, about expectations is one thing, but I, I think it's almost, or I guess if you run an organization where this kind of creeps in, it's, it's like, this is what this session is, but almost more importantly, this is what this session is not right? Like this is not an opportunity for you to ask questions about X or to have your camera off. Like the, it, it's a, it's almost like a better way to kind of like set your expectations and, and hopefully it keeps people back on track. And then it's almost
2: like a workshop, right? Yeah, like yeah. I'm now I'm my, my brain is spinning and I'm like, we should be actually recategorizing these for at least from our perspective as partner led workshops where they're, they're coming in and they're speaking about their solution, but we're also working together to figure out how we can, you know, how our, our, you know, sales or CS teams can speak more authentically um, about that solution uh, and socialize it amongst the conversations that they're having with um, prospects or customers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, And it's, it, it's, it, I guess like what gives me the goosebumps is like, if you have both sales and CX in the same it's hard to make it pertinent for all. Like I I understand like the uh, getting, you know, X amount of people on one call can be tough. So like, it makes sense to do both, but like, yeah, you gotta be pretty strategic and and targeted with that. The other, the other thing that sticks out to me is that, you know, like a lot of what we're talking about is aligning your own internal organization to help scale, you know, partnerships in one format or another. The, I, I think through this whole conversation, everything we've talked about is still so relevant. Like if I'm like, Will and I have a lot of experience in enabling one-to-one with channel partners, right? So agencies, uh, you know, not necessarily on the tech side, but there's no point in this conversation that doesn't stick across enablement uh, all the, the board. Like whether you're internally enabling your sales team, like your internal enablement, whether you're partnerships, whether you're working with tech partnerships or channel referrals, whatever it may be, all of this is so critical because like the I think the time suck and the time wasting comes into place and and ultimately understanding that everyone's times value valuable to that matter is is really critical so I just kind of wanted to bring this like broader
2: for sure for sure I think that enablement is not just for sales it is for everyone and I think that it's really really important to be able to, go and have that mindset when you are preparing material.
0: Um, so let's, let's try and wrap this up now. So Bree, we, I think we've like, just to kind of recap here, this, this, and if we're going to set the tone and stage for what this conversation is, this is not, this is not a conversation around the what and the why of enablement. This is about the how and i think it's important to kind of like convey that message so in terms of like recapping or or tangible takeaways for the audience um whether they're enablement professionals or or just in partnerships or internal enablement doesn't matter what would be your top action items for them to start rethinking the way that they enable
2: i think it's really important to think about sessions that you've hosted previously. So I would suggest maybe going back and looking at either the last session that you hosted or the last session that a partner hosted um, inter- internally within your teams and look at what went right and maybe what didn't go so, what didn't go right. Um, you know, poll your pull your audience too, ask them, What do you like to see in a session? What would be really valuable to you? Would it benefit you to have um, some preamble material? Would it benefit you to have some takeaways and some homework? Um, I think that just speaking to and really understanding your audience is step one, because everyone likes to learn differently, right? Everyone is going to have a different opinion on these types of sessions, and so speaking with your audience, I think, is step one. Um, and step two is we we actually are not um, adverse to templates over here. Um, we actually really like the idea of having each session have sort of a similar discourse and a similar agenda. Um, For us, that is um, making sure that we're prepared, having a couple of slides, and then having um, at least one activity, whether that's in session and then um, also you know, having some homework and takeaways as well. So um, work with your audience, figure out what they, what they like to see. Also, if you're presenting to a partner, be really sure that you're asking who the audience is going to be for that session as well, because you're not sure who's if you're not sure who's going to be in the room, it's important to know that. And then you can always just tweak your template a little bit based on who you're going to be speaking to. So those would be my two main takeaways.
0: Templatizing is uh, what that does is it like building consistency so that your team understands like a lot of times enabling is trying to, to sometimes reverse, uh, mindsets or like build better habits around like what, what can they expect? And I think by consistently driving enablement sessions in that manner, just makes it very easy for your team to like, not guess what's coming, right? Like you kind of know the progress, you know, what's happening, you know, what to be listening for. I really like that. Well, what about you?
1: Um. Yeah, I like all that. The burning question on my mind that we can maybe end with other than other thoughts that you have, Brie, is what are your top two or three favorite activities that drive engagement? Um, and like, I say this as maybe someone who doesn't like fun, I guess. I'm like, <laughs> what, ga- what games can I play? What can I do to drive activity? What are your top two <laughs> or three that you like to do to get people more involved in like taking action on the information?
2: Um, so if you're running an in-person session, we've had a lot of success with Jeopardy. Um, so we actually split the in, in-person audience into two teams and we run like a little um, Jeopardy. It actually was, we did this in, uh, in Miami at our um, sales meeting in December and it was a ton of fun and they, salespeople were obviously super competitive. So it was actually Quite hilarious. We gave them each like little paddles. And when they had an answer, like the team would raise the paddle and they were so excited. So that would be, that's really fun to do. And there are some online programs that you can use to actually build Jeopardy and you can put it up on the big screen and it's, it's, it's really fun. Um, and so that would be my in-person activity. And then if I'm running a session with, um, where sales is my audience, um, the activity that I really like to do is, um, like a logo soup. And you have um, a bunch of the logos with like different color coded stars beside them. So um, we did a presentation last week and we did this and it was really fun. Um, So I was like, okay, so salespeople, like, what do you think these red stars mean? And they're like, oh, those are mutual customers. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. And what do we think that these yellow stars mean? Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, well, these are actually um, the people that are our customers that are your prospects. And then we'll have a discussion about that. Right. And be like, okay, who is working this account? Who is working this account? Um, and so that is really interesting as well, because then that really gets them excited, right? Like if you're talking to a sales audience and you're telling them that we have people that are in their pipeline, that makes them want to listen and want to engage and ask questions. Um, so I really like that, uh, as an activity, if, um, sales is your audience as well.
0: I literally have Jeopardy on my YouTube TV. We watch it every night. Uh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm the, the, logo soup is really cool. I'm taking that away. So that's my takeaway.
1: Any parting thoughts, um, you know, things that people need to be aware of, or even if they want to find out more about what you're working on?
2: Well, um, I think that for a long time, I thought that enablement was the most boring department to work for. And then I switched over and I actually did it because my thought on this was this is a challenge. I like challenges. So I've had a lot of fun experimenting with this. And I think that one of the best parts of doing it is that there is a lot of room for risk taking. There is a lot of room for experimentation. um, And there's room to really make a difference. What if you run a really, really effective and poignant enablement session. So don't be afraid to take risks. Don't be afraid to talk to your audience. Don't be afraid to try something new. Um, And if you want to learn more about um, myself, you can feel free to follow me on LinkedIn. I'm Brianna Chapman um, and I'm the Strategic Partner Manager at Rider Commerce by Whiplash and if you want to hear me speak in person myself and my lead Marco DePaulis will be presenting at Catalyst in beautiful Denver, Colorado in August.
0: Come see Tom at Catalyst, watch Bri speak and if you're going to follow Bree on LinkedIn, make sure you're following Will and Tom. Shameless plug. Um, Bree, Bree, this was awesome. Thank you so much. I uh, this was a great session. I learned a lot, which is what enablement is, and I hope our audience did too. We've been well enabled. Thanks, Bree.